Hi, my name's Kim Cole, and I'm your host of Real 510. Our podcast is dedicated to the stories of real buyers and real sellers in the East Bay residential housing environment in Northern California. Finding a solid investment to grow one half to several million dollars is a strategic and calculative exercise of wisdom and intuition. Now mix in the emotional meaning of home, your safety, your shelter, your memories. The task is daunting. The influences are great and there's no proven instruction manual. Join us as we explore the process, the challenges, and the triumphs of those who have successfully navigated the storm. Welcome to Real 510. I first, in 2014, I think, read my uh, first article published in the New York Times suggesting Oakland to be the new Brooklyn. Much of the reference suggested strong correlations to the relationship of San Francisco to Oakland as Manhattan is to Brooklyn. Coincidentally, over the last five years, we've seen a significant amount of Brooklyn residents leaving their rich East Coast culture and landing in the boroughs of Oakland. So I thought it'd be kind of fun to talk to some of our clients and who've become good friends that um, have made this trek across the states to Oakland, having lived in Brooklyn, and just kind of get their take on this Oakland-Brooklyn thing and maybe the differences and such. So I'd like to um, introduce you to, and very happy to have on the show, Monica Ortiz and Joe Valono, and um, and baby Benicia that's sleeping under the table right now. So <laughs> this will be for fun. now. We'll see how it goes. Um, but tell us a little bit about yourselves. Uh, so let's see. I'm, I'm really, I guess I would say, an East Coaster uh, through and through, born in D.C., raised raised in, in, in that part of the country. And then I left the area for about five years when I was in the Navy and then subsequently lived overseas and um, ended up uh, working in Manhattan for several years. So... I can speak to uh, the East Coast and the culture and the history there and contrast that with what is a very different environment here uh, for me. Um, <laughs> Monica, I think, has a different perspective coming from the West Coast originally. Yeah, I'm, I'm originally from San Diego. So I was living on the East Coast for 12 years. I uh, lived in Boston, D.C., New York, and Philadelphia. So you guys are the city people. <laughs> we are the city people. We are yeah. the city people. But although we came out here and we wanted to live in the East Bay, you know, we're slowly changing and, and you know, wanting to be um, around nature a little bit more and getting away from traffic and, Isn't that and all that. Interesting. So that's like a whole other. That's a whole other show. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. That's I think part of that show. has to do with, with the baby. You know, and and what kind of environment is, is, you know, the kind of environment that we want to raise her in. Yeah, it's that, but it's also maturing for me and realizing what makes me happy and what's healthy. Yeah. You know, yeah. mentally. Yeah. Being in an overcrowded place, I don't know if it's always the healthiest thing for a person. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. But that's another topic. But that, is another, <laughs> that is definitely another show. So well-being. So yeah, yeah. Okay, that all makes um, that all makes sense. But kind of getting back to the whole Brooklyn to Oakland mm-hmm. thing. So I remember first meeting you guys immediately, just having this amazing energy that you emanate, and I willingly accepted that. <laughs> 
And um, we talked a little bit about what you were looking for, and you did a lot of comparisons to mm -hmm. Brooklyn. And um, of course, I thought that the two of you were the coolest people in the whole universe anyway. We did. I don't, I don't remember. I, I wasn't on purpose. I guess it was subconscious. Right? That you were no, yeah, no, comparing you were. to Brooklyn? Oh. Probably. Well, I don't know. I think it probably was a little bit naturally, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So what brought you to Oakland? I mean, you were working in the South Bay, I think, at the time. Yeah. And yeah. you guys are both news junkies. Right. So I think you were taking in all of the changing, all of the, the gentrification that was happening in this area. Mm -hmm. And I think, as I recall, that was kind of one of the attractions mm -hmm. to coming to this area. But... Why Oakland? So I've used to come up here in my early 20s, right before I moved to the East Coast. And I had a lot of friends who went to Berkeley, undergrad and graduate school. So I'd come and visit them in the Berkeley, Oakland Hills area. I had friends who had rentals in Oakland and I just always loved it. You know, that was in the early 2000s. And I always thought I wanted to live in the Bay Area. And I liked the culture and the cooler weather in the East Bay. Yeah, I just thought it was a hip, cool place. I, I love I love the food scene. I love the the consciousness of you know what people are doing in their lives. So that always stuck in my head all the way till my thirties. And um, when we were living in New York, we were uh, looking at our lifestyle, and Joe was affected tremendously by the weather which is strange because he's from dc and it's yeah. you know it's cold there but he was you know constantly saying i you know let's move to california let's go back to your home state and initially he wanted to go to southern california and i said no let's go to northern california i've always wanted to go to live in northern california yeah but it was a lifestyle thing so a lot of people have asked us why why did we move from brooklyn new york to uh california to the Bay Area, and it's always been lifestyle, the weather, primarily. Um, I mean, I think as a starting premise, if you said, where in the U.S. is there a, a wonderful economy and, and a nice lifestyle, and you overlay the two, you're not going to come up with a ton of locations. New yeah. York has, uh, you know, glo it's a global economy, yeah. but the weather is seasonal in every sense of the word. Um, and it's lovely, you know, in the fall and I mean, New York is, is, is a very special place, Brooklyn but, it, but it can, it can, it can grind you, you know, in the winters, they always feel like a month too long in the summers, yeah. uh, you know, 10 degrees too hot. Yeah. So looking for uh, a place where we could have a career that, that, that we were looking for and a nice quality of life led us to the greater Bay Area. And then it was a matter of what makes sense. What's familiar? What do we like, you know, in this local culture and geography? And they're, you know, coming from Brooklyn, Oakland did seem like a place that would be familiar. And in some ways it is, and in some ways it's not. Yeah. So what ways is it familiar? What similarities do you see? We were talking about earlier, Monica mentioned the architecture. I think the architecture is very different, but given that they're both sort of port towns, you do have, you know, a big maritime presence. You have the warehouses and the shipping. It's and an so industrial lifestyle. There's an industrial, like industrial theme that runs through both cities. With that said, the character is very different. I think a lot of that has to do with the history. Brooklyn is a a colonial set settlement yeah. um, with European history. And 
the, the merchants coming from Europe, you know, help build that economy in a very different way that the economy here has been built. New York, by comparison, is much older than Oakland and even the whole Bay Area with respect to, you know, American settlement. So there's a very different um, experience there, different people, different kinds of people, uh, ethnically, culturally. But there's, there's also, I think, you know, a richness of, Monica mentioned the foods. There's a huge academic, intellectual component to both of the, both of the cities. Uh-huh. Certainly here, you can't escape it. Yeah. Academia is at the forefront here in Northern California. No offense to my Southern California people, but yeah. it's, not, it's different in Southern California. Yeah. Northern California has a similarity to the East Coast major cities with the institutions. The research institutions, and so you're you're surrounded by people that they they may be well educated, but you know a lot of them are are paying attention to what's happening in the world. So I'd say they're worldly. Yes, yes, and progressive. Yeah, in thought, I think. Yeah, right. I, I think in both cities, I think it's more. Uh, it's I, I would. It seems to me that there's more purpose behind being a sort of a, a progressive here. People really want. You know, California has a reputation, and certainly the Bay Area has a reputation of being left-leaning and progressive. New York doesn't necessarily have that same reputation, but it is. I mean, it's a progressive city. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't brand itself in the same way. To me, it doesn't seem to. Yeah. You have your limousine liberals in New York. You sure do. Yes. You sure do. Yes, you do. You sure do. But you also have, you know, um, Same you also have, you know, your, your, you know, the Bronx produces a whole different kind of, I mean, you have your Donald Trumps, you have all different kinds of folks that I don't think have the same voice here in a way. Right. Um, they're not a part of the conversation. Right. <laughs> Certainly, you know, we're right next to Berkeley. I mean, right. there is a very different culture and it's, and it's a historic one for, for this area. Right. Yeah. Right. No, that all makes complete sense. I never really thought about that. I, prior to us talking, I thought I would see you know, what was out there in, in terms of data of the comparison of Brooklyn and Oakland. And one of the biggest comments and similarity was diversity in education. So I think you're speaking to both of those things in a lot of different Yeah, I, I totally agree with both of those points. What's interesting to me is, especially with with ethnicity, it's a different makeup of people altogether. Yeah. You know, we have, coming from Brooklyn, Puerto Rico, Bronx is, is Puerto Rican. You've got the largest Jewish community outside of Israel. A lot of Hasidic Jews in, in, in Brooklyn. In Brooklyn. Uh, Here, it's the largest. And, and, uh, and it stands to reason. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's his, historic and, and, and geographical reasons why. Here, Mexico, Asia, there's, there's you know, and, and so the foods that, that come with that are, are very different by association. It's very mm-hmm. interesting. In other words, both towns, if you will, being quite diverse, but diverse and different. Yeah. In different ways, pulling from different places in the world. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but being embracing in the same way. Yeah, I think for sure. Mm-hmm. In Brooklyn, is it more neighborhood, um, neighborhood by neighborhood, where cultures tend to stay together in neighborhoods? Or does everybody mix together like we are in Oakland? I'd say. I would say the old school families, yeah, it's definitely neighborhood by neighborhood. You definitely have your Hasidic areas of Brooklyn. Yeah. And 
when you walk into those communities, uh, you feel like you're in a movie, actually. Yeah, yeah. I remember I feel like- driving through there to our favorite pizza place in Brooklyn, and I felt like I, I felt like I was in a movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah it just- it's like a Francis Ford Coppola movie, and and you, yeah, or you know, you feel like you're. You're maybe in the Godfather so, <laughs> at so, some point. So we were in Brooklyn Heights. It's brownstones, you know, a lot of single family homes. It's on the water, so there's the warehousing. Williamsburg is very different. Red Hook, very different. Um, you know, it's gritty. It's it's tough. It's there's well, railroad Red, Red Hook is not as gritty as it was. Like it's changed uh, the last uh, few years. Broad generalizations in, in history. There's a right? Tesla dealership there, now, so it's not <laughs> as gritty as you think anymore. Um, and, and I think there's a lot of pride in all of these little communities. Everybody wants to talk about the new restaurant, the speakeasy, you know, whatever it is that's happening in their little part of town. The, the real estate development in Carroll Gardens, you know, and, and things of that nature are a part of the sort of the little culture, I think, in New York. I don't see that as much here, but maybe I just don't know it and don't see it the same way. Yeah, I don't see it here as much. I mean, it's, you know, like Lefford's Garden you have in Brooklyn. You know, you have a lot of people that are, you know, from Africa. And yeah, it's, it's definitely, di- neighborhoods are divided into cultures. Yeah. But with its Brooklyn's popularity, you're seeing more people like Joe and I come into those areas. I wouldn't say... J- gentrifying them but we're just coming into those areas and and um which is a controversy unto itself yeah 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 i i I don't see the the cultural pockets here as much you know and and as you're saying that i'm thinking yeah that all makes sense really just because of time Mm -hmm. in some ways you know joe you were talking about all the the historic nature of brooklyn you know as well as most of the east coast You've got neighborhoods that have been seeded for so much yeah. longer, yeah. right? That it's a different, it's just a different way than Oakland, which, you know, we've been, we've been here since, what, the mid-1800s. Mm-hmm. Well, that's like nothing, right? Yeah. So I think we had all of our cultures mixing um, much, much sooner or... More recently. More recently. Yeah. 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 I mean, it sort of makes sense. Yeah. That is something, by the way, that I read as well. Just to confirm what you're saying, other people seem to feel the same way, that there aren't those little towns that have a real designation to yeah. them. Although, yeah. for someone from Oakland, you know, we see Lakeshore, we see Nobi, we see Temescal mm-hmm. as almost being those little towns, but it's different. It feels different to me. And again, it may be that I just don't know Oakland as, as, as well yet, but it certainly feels different. So kind of going back to your home search, I had so much fun driving around with you guys, too. <laughs> I, like, I can think of that. It's like, blink, blink. I um, can remember your commentary and having a unique perspective. I was thinking, when you set out, okay, we're going we're gonna to look for a home, and you set out your search, did you approach it the same way that you did when you looked for your place in Brooklyn? Yes and no. There were more options here architecturally. So in New York, most people live in apartments. Um, and by the way, they people who own condos in New York, they call them apartments. So everything's an apartment, right? Unless you live in a brownstone. 
Which basically means you have it from top to bottom. Top to bottom, but they're attached yeah. to. Or, or they could be multifamily brownstones. Part, part of it, part of the, you know, part of the history is with the earthquakes and so forth. They just didn't build up as much here. New York, there's so many more people. They build up and up and up. So you have these apartments that are dominate the landscape. Right. Yeah. So if you're if you're in certain boroughs in New York City, then you're going to most likely be looking at apartments mostly. There, especially if you if you can afford a house in Manhattan in particular. Good for you. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, when we came here, we did want that industrial lifestyle initially. And yeah. that's why we started looking in Jack London Square. And that's how we met you. Yeah. We loved Jack London Square because of the fruit market, which reminded of the, us of the cobblestone meat packing district in Manhattan. And it reminded us of several streets in Brooklyn. By the way, there's a lot of great little nooks and crannies in Brooklyn where there's cobblestone streets and it's beautiful. And yes, it's very industrial. And we, we liked that. And then we, I started researching West Oakland because I liked that industrial look and the loft buildings that are in West Oakland are absolutely beautiful. If your listeners have ever been to West Oakland and been inside the buildings there, they're absolutely beautiful yes. and have a lot of history. Yes. And that is very similar to places in Brooklyn, whether they're loft apartments that were, were used to be in the 1920s, early 1900s, used to be soap factories, candy factories. You find that similarity in, in West Oakland as well. And so we were attracted to that, that, that industrial look. Um, but at the same time, we thought, okay, well, maybe we should look at some single-family homes too. Maybe that's in our budget. Um, yeah, I think our if I if I'm if I step back and think about it, to me, our search in Brooklyn was far more methodical in a way. We knew all the boroughs. Mm-hmm. Um, we went to them, tried to understand them, and then you know what what projects were happening. What is the city going to be doing here in the next? five years. With all of that information that we collected along the way, that informed our decision making. So we could say, okay, we understand this borough is you know, affordable now, rapidly changing. This is what's happening. A really good time to join you know, part that, that, this area from an investment standpoint and a lifestyle. And so I think, at least as I reflect on New York, that's the way we kind of approached it. Whereas here, it was more um, getting to know things you know, it, it just, it, it didn't feel like I ever got to know it in the same way. Everything is sprawling and Everything's um, pretty spread out. it's hard to, it's hard to really get to know each little, each little area. And the way Jack London is distinct, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's sort of regionally uh, set aside in a way, but a lot of Oakland seems to run into itself. You know, it's hard to say a lot of these little neighborhoods you mentioned, like Nobi and Temescal, I think they're kind of relatively new mm-hmm. designations and uh, carving out, you know, mm-hmm. little areas. Um, mm-hmm. But it's hard to discern the difference from one to another. Mm-hmm. To me, yeah, yeah. See, that's that is a perspective that I don't know that many people that live here realize that somebody, you know, coming mm-hmm. from Brooklyn from. New York from the East Coast might feel, and I mean, even DC, I think, has those neighborhoods that yeah. feel a little bit more defined. Mm. So it's funny, I think about 
how um, I feel as a Northern Californian person going down to Southern California, down to LA, right? That's talk about sprawl. Like, mm -hmm. How do those people? How do those people do it? How do they connect with each well, other? Apparently, they have their own <laughs> communities that are. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> yeah, it's just so different. But I almost see like that being the way somebody from Brooklyn would feel about yeah. here as yeah. to what, how we would feel in the Bay Area about the LA scene. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of interesting. What about the way that real estate's marketed? Like just kind of the practical matters in terms of how you look for a home. Does it all work the same in terms of? I think though, um, going from the last topic onto this, a lot of neighborhoods are, can be defined by transportation, by the subway in New York, in, New York, in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And moving on to how real estate's marketed, I mean, it's partly marketed based on subway stops, which I, seems to be the case in most major cities, you know, the trans, where are the tra transportation hubs. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think that's one of the top things when you're talking about real estate in New yeah. York City when it's marketed. You're looking at you're looking at transportation, getting to and from work. So, so I I, I guess I have a couple of different thoughts. If I recall, New York, we use this platform called Street Easy. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The data that they have on everything is amazing, it's and very so good. you can look at a particular building, what particular unit sold for. Uh, at any given history and it's all readily accessible and then and then you know what are the trends happening and you can really you know understand what's happening in the market the the markets themselves are very different here you have what i would call like a blind auction where the seller lists a price with an idea that it's going to go for some percentage above the asking and nobody knows none of the buyers know what that uh price is so it's incentivizes this bidding um, up and up and up. It's actually a really smart economic approach that they're taking here for for the seller. <laughs> that caught us off guard when we moved. It's from it's very VR. different. So when you see a house listed for you know eight hundred thousand dollars, they really want one point one. Right. But you don't know as a buyer if one point one is high enough. Maybe someone else is going to offer one one five or one two. Right. And so you know there's this game that gets played in New York. If a house is a million dollars, you're going to get offers around. Nine seventy five. Yeah, New Yorkers—they don't mess around. They list the price and that so, they want. Yeah. Here, it's a game. It's a very so different you, experience. I, yeah. Buying here. When I first started looking, I, I, I didn't understand. I mean, it, it, I didn't understand that if a house is listed at seven hundred thousand, that they really want closer to you know a million. Yeah. Uh, or in the nines. Yeah. And that I should ask, well. You have it listed at seven, but what do you really want? What does that really mean? Right. And right. is there code talk? Like, how, like <laughs> so you're telling me you now? want me to offer you yeah. 200, 300,000 over asking. And I didn't know that, I didn't know that I could actually go to my real estate agent and say, well, can you ask the agent what they really want and then get yeah. back to me? Um, I think I learned that from you, maybe. Well, that's good. <laughs> um, yeah, because I think the first agents we were talking to, I, they didn't really school us on how this whole thing works. Yeah, and it is. I mean, that is something that you really have to navigate. And if it's yeah. not like that at all, where you moved from, I mean, it actually almost sounds like the game's being played a little bit more with the buyer side of, you know, we asked a million. It is. We want a million. I think we buyers are more empowered. Yeah. I mean, when the economy is, you know, strong and you controlling for all those things, I think the buyers... 
are, it's, it's a more equal footing in a way. Yeah. What's interesting is both of these are global cities. They're global markets, right? you know, yeah. like a London or, or a Paris, New York, San Francisco. Yeah. You're competing with buyers um, in a very different way than if you were in, I'm going to make it up, Omaha. Yeah, um, or even Fulbrick. California. Yeah, any number of other places that aren't sort of those global city centers. Yeah. Um, and so that, that, that presents its own challenges. Yeah. And we see that yeah. even, you know, going east from here. If you get into the suburbs, the price is pretty much the price. Mm-hmm. I mean, you might, you might venture off, you know, five to 20,000, but usually not much more either way mm-hmm. um, on that. So, so that is interesting. Yeah. You know, um, and I've, I've, I've asked people in Southern California in the real estate industry, do you, is the listing price what you actually want? And they say, yeah, what, what do you mean? I said, well, I just moved to Northern California and they listed a lot lower than what they actually wanted. And I had a lot of agents look at me like, really? What is those that? people eating all those vegetables and wearing vegan socks. They got this whole different There's a whole different thing changes. happening here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Too funny. Okay, well, speaking of... Um, food and Birkenstocks and all that stuff. I have to go back to food and alcoholic beverages because that's always where I think, um, you know, things are really settled in, yeah. this, in this neighborhood. Sure. Um, and I wanted to just share a little bit of fact-finding that maybe many people know. Um, but, you know, the town of Brooklyn was uh, situated in what's now part of Oakland at least our west coast town of Oakland in um, the mid-1800s. The Mormon settlers came to California on a ship called the Brooklyn. And in 1846, um, they ended up joining two other settlements, Clinton and San Antonio, and annexed Brooklyn into Oakland, which was really kind of interesting. So the town was part of the Brooklyn Township, which extended from Indian Gulch, which is um, Trestle Glen area, Mm -hmm. to San Leandro Creek, then the border with the Eden Township. The very interesting thing to me was, because I feel like it's gone full circle, and this is another conversation that I remember having many times with you when we were looking at property, because we often judge an area gentrifying by the breweries that Mm. And I remember you guys saying, breweries, where are the breweries? Where are they? You know, that was like when you knew. So interestingly enough, the area, Brooklyn, back in the mid-1800s, was was home to several large breweries, including the Brooklyn Brewery. This... This area, yes. Oakland, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. of course, Brooklyn has the famous Brooklyn Brewery. Yeah, but a different company, I'm sure. Different company, I'm sure. So, so I'm gonna read this little excerpt from. Because yeah, um, there's Beth, Brooklyn Brewery in in Williamsburg. Yeah, which I, I believe that started have, in the '90s or maybe I early 2000s. I think they may have taken that from our coast. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Controversy. But I'm gonna read this little passage because I thought it was super interesting from Beth Beth Bagwell's book, uh, Oakland, The Story of a City, which, by the way, is a super cool book that she published in 1982. But she says, um, Brooklyn steam beer was a local product. Even after Brooklyn became part of Oakland, people liked to use it 
the name to distinguish their neighborhood. The Brooklyn Brewery began in 1872 under A. Miller at 18th Avenue and East 14th Street. At its peak in the summer months, Brooklyn Brewery produced 35 barrels of Brooklyn steam beer a day. Hmm. I have to look that up. I used to go to events at Brooklyn Brewery in Brooklyn, Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Um, I don't remember. Which is a great. I guess they wouldn't give credit to Oakland. (laughs) Yeah, I think they're different companies altogether. I I will say I love the brewery culture here. Um, There's a there's a um, there's something you know like a microbrew. A microbrew on every block. Not quite, but know, but as a concept, it's really part of what people do here, and I, I really like it. Yeah, they're, they're more, at least since we left Brooklyn, there are more breweries um, here than over there. That being said, Brooklyn, New York, there are probably more um, spirit distilleries than here. Actually, I don't think I've seen a spirit distillery here. I actually have an Alameda. Oh yeah, yes, that's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah, that's but, but they, that's not open. They, <laughs> they, it, it, the reason that is post 08, they changed. A lot of bankers and financiers lost their jobs, so the, mm. the state was smart. They changed the liquor licensing fees to incentivize license. people oh. to get into that business, mm. and there were a lot of requirements. You had to use New York grain and so forth. But what the, re, the, the result is that there was a renaissance of um, distilleries that. that came up in Brooklyn. And there are a lot of them are in these fabulous old warehouses. And so, uh, you know, we, we would occasionally spend a Saturday going from one to the other. Um, Stumbling. <laughs> it didn't start that way, but it did end that way. Here, you know, the analog would be um, the, the microbrews. You could yeah. do the same thing yeah. and go from one to the other. Yeah, it's not fun. And there's a deep history in Brooklyn um, with the Dutch and beer. Yeah, um, and uh, I, I mean, I don't know the history here in, right. in Oakland. Um, I know a lot of microbrews started in San Diego, my hometown. Yeah, um, but there are a lot of uh, spirit distilleries in in, in Brooklyn, yeah. New York. When we left uh, end of 2016 or so, there seemed to be more microbrews starting to pop up. But the distill, the bourbon, is is and probably still is a hot thing in, in Brooklyn. Yeah. yeah. And, um, the wineries, uh, they're, they're kind of picking up in, in, in Brooklyn, um, you know, distilling, um, in, in Brooklyn, uh, wine, uh, especially since the Hamptons aren't, aren't that far from there. And there's a lot of vineyards up right, there. So. Right. Yeah. One, one, one thing that's interesting about the wines, um, while, while, because you brought it up, in New York, now we've switched over to being the food. We're now in the food, food and wine. wine channel. In New yeah. York, you have um, these old, you know, because of the history and the, you know, shipping lanes, you get wines from Europe more readily, and you always have um, old, world old world wines. They call them. Whereas here, you know, California as a wine region, while while fabulous, is new, relatively speaking, yep. or globally speaking. Yep. Um, so you go into a wine shop in New York, Chamber Street, or you know, there. are tons of small ones in Brooklyn, and the cross-section of wines is very different than you might find here. That said, the, the winery experience and lifestyle that surrounds Oakland and, and the greater Bay Area is fabulous, and, and you can't do that. I mean, you can go to the Hamptons in New York, but there's only a handful of wineries. Um, there are increasingly more, but it's something to do here. You know, I think it's really something we've really enjoyed. 
Yeah, and I, going back to real estate, I've always had the mindset when I'm searching for real estate is to look at, you know, what what's the urban planning looking like and what's happening politically as, as far as urban planning. What restaurants, what distilleries, what breweries are going to be put in place in, in those neighborhoods? Or are they already there? Because they definitely drive popularity and drive yeah. right. value. And we're sure seeing this. Yeah, and so next to looking at transportation hubs, uh, when I shop for real estate, I look at food spots um, and, you know, other commercial outlets. And, and um, you know, I also look, I Google, I basically... Google restaurants. I go on Yelp and I look at news articles on what's up and coming. For instance, Emeryville Public Market. That's not far from where we are in Oakland, and you know that's good for that's good for your your community, but also good for you know your your uh, your house. You know your, your lifestyle and your right. and your value, yeah. your value of your home. Why people want to live there, right? You know people nowadays um, want a walkable community and that means food and drink and so when I whenever I look at real estate that's what I'm looking at even if I'm looking at a small town I want to know you know where's my local pub gonna be where's my local restaurant coffee shop you know there's there's a big similarity with Brooklyn and coffee and coffee roasting uh, Oakland and in Brooklyn um, mm. you're, you're seeing a lot of uh, roasters popping up in Brooklyn. I, I still think they're they're more here in in Oakland area, uh, Oakland Emeryville area. But um, yeah, there's a huge similarity with the coffee industry in Brooklyn and in in, in Oakland. So I, you know, I, I I think I think if you're looking for real estate, that's something you should you should look into. You should consider. Yeah. The food the food and drink scene. Uh-huh. Even if you're not, even if you don't drink alcohol, you know, it's just, it's, it, it tells you about the, the growth of the community. I think that's great advice. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I wanted to close up this little discussion today was, was um, ask you to kind of share with our audience, um, hopefully some of which are people that are relocating right now from New York and Brooklyn to this area. What would be your, your number one advice to them? in making that transition and looking for real estate here? I guess I would say they're very different, very different communities, but both worth getting to know uh, in their own right. If you're coming from New York, it's hard to find a good pizza out here. You're not going to get a good bagel out here. I think you're offending Kim. <laughs> but um, but if you're if you're if you're if you're you know if you were going to New York, you're going to be looking for a great taqueria, and you're not going to find it. I mean, they're there, but yeah. not not in the same way. Yeah. So I think get to know each community and appreciate the history and the differences that they they provide. There's a lot of you know rich uh, people and experiences. I think in both um, Brooklyn and Oakland. Okay, so now the final, final, really important question is, what is the equivalent pizzeria in Oakland compared to Roberto's in there, there isn't one to me. There's not <laughs> one. It's actually funny. I took cooking classes at Roberto's, and so um, when we make pizza, when we, when we want pizza, I make it. And I make I make uh, Roberta's pizza. You can get the recipe on the New York Times um, oh, yeah. now. So um, Joe learned how to make the dough, so he just makes it at home. That being said, we stopped in Bushwick, Brooklyn, at Roberta's before we left, and I, for some reason, didn't find the pizza to be as good as 
it used to be. I think they built a fabulous brand. They built a huge brand, yeah. um, and uh, I don't know if that you know has any effect on the way it tastes. But maybe <laughs> I mean it's my opinion. Well, it's kind of pizza um, but pizza, I gotta so. give a, a plug for Grimaldi's, which is Agreed. in right under the um, Brooklyn Bridge, Dumbo, Dumbo Brooklyn Heights okay. area. Um, Grimaldi's is pretty fabulous. And then like Zach, we do Zachary's so out we here, Zachary's. which we love. We love. All right. so, but you can't compare that to okay, New York so, pizza. So, so <laughs> Zachary's is deep dish. <laughs> Zachary's is deep dish. New York pizza is obviously not deep dish, but um, Zachary's is pretty fabulous. I think those are our words of goodbye. You guys have been amazing, and thank you for being on. Thank you. Today's show was sponsored by Minimo. Minimo is Jack London's independent, woman-owned wine shop and wine bar, specializing in small production, natural wines, and ciders. This hits home for my heart. More than a wine shop, Minimo is a gathering spot, offering a unique selection of natural wines by the glass, with focused wine tastings every Wednesday evening and all day on Saturday. If you haven't been to Minimo, you are missing something special. Erin and her team are extremely knowledgeable, approachable, and can magically pick you the perfect bottle. Thanks for listening today, and please check us out on Real 510 on iTunes. To find out even more, visit our website, kimcolerealestate.com. We're a boutique real estate brokerage, women-owned and team-enacted with a focus on urban luxury housing. We are located in Oakland's Jack London Square, serving Oakland and the greater Bay Area.